following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. The sermon this morning entitled In the Light of God's Future is a continuation of a sermon series entitled Old Words, New Life, Transformative Teachings from the Old Testament. Let's be for a moment in the spirit of prayer. In the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. No matter how long a person lives, that person's life will be in some ways incomplete. There are things that people think about doing that they never do, things that people might want to accomplish in life that they never achieve, times that they imagine having that they don't. Some years ago, I was visiting at the hospital and stopped to see a member of our church named Bob Meeker. Those of you who've been around for a while will remember him well. Bob was a great guy, very committed to the church, and he had a way of, of speaking truth honestly. As he lay there on that hospital bed, he knew he was in his final days, and he said, I never thought it would be so short. He was 88 at the time. It is, as the psalmist says, the days of our life are 70 years, or perhaps 80 if we are strong, they are soon gone, and we fly away. The incompleteness of life is profoundly addressed in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, part of which we heard this morning. Hebrews is a New Testament book, but this chapter focuses on an extended review of the lives of Old Testament people. We heard the first section about Abraham, and then there are parts about Moses and other Old Testament figures. The verses we heard noted how Abraham received from God the promise that he would be the father of a, of a great nation and that through his descendants, the whole world would be blessed. Abraham set out trusting in that promise, but he saw almost none of it unfold. He and Sarah had one son, Isaac, out of whom the great nation of Israel would eventually come and 2,000 years after Abraham, out of the nation of Israel, Jesus Christ would come through whom the whole world would be blessed. God's promises were true, but Abraham experienced only a hint of it during his lifetime. He spent his days as a wandering nomad in the land of Canaan. Centuries after Abraham, Moses also experienced incompleteness in life. He was called by God to lead the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and to bring them to the promised land. He trusted in God's promises and God did act through Moses to deliver the people out of slavery and to guide the people through the wilderness. But Moses never made it to the promised land. He died at Mount Nebo. You can stand on the summit of Mount Nebo today, which is in, modern, in southern Jordan, and, and from there, you can look towards the promised land, but you get little real sense of what the promised land is actually like. Moses never arrived at the hoped for destination. The book of Hebrews describes the experience of these Old Testament figures as follows. All of these died in faith 
without having received the promises. But from a distance, they saw and greeted them. They died without having received the promises. Their, their lives fell short of what they had hoped for. But from a distance, they saw God's promises and greeted them. Herein lies the answer to the incompleteness of life. It is to become a part of something much larger than ourselves, much bigger than our life here on earth. Our lives on earth will be partial and transitory, but as we join in the story of God, living in faith, we connect ourselves to the purposes of God. We recognize then that we are sharing in God's works and we are on a journey towards an eternal destiny. It does not matter then how incomplete this life might be. We find our wholeness and our fulfillment in God and in the future that God will open up. As the book of Hebrews says of Abraham, he looked forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Herein lies something of the essence of faith, that we trust in the future that God will create. We are not weighed down, therefore, by the past, nor are we discouraged or disappointed by the present because we are focused on that city of God toward which we are headed. And the future that we have in God gives tremendous shape and meaning to the present. The German theologian Jürgen Moltmann once put it this way, we do not look then from the present into the future, but from the future into the present. That which is coming throws forward its shadows and already has its effect on the present. We can live now in real joy and hope because we are living in the light of God's future. You can see people of faith doing this throughout the biblical story. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul faced what most people would consider to be very discouraging circumstances, and he never achieved all that he hoped for in life. In one letter, for example, he talked about how he hoped one day to take the gospel to Spain. He never made it. He was arrested. He got as far as Rome. He was executed there. Yet, he was never discouraged because he was living in light of the future that he knew he had through Jesus Christ. As he said, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward toward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Biblical people of faith thus had a profoundly positive outlook in life, in spite of disappointments and troubles all around them. And this was far more than a mere optimism. I remember a cartoon once I saw which depicted a, a man with a big smile on his face carrying a surfboard wading into the surf. Behind him were two sharks. And the, the caption underneath read, an optimist is a person who does not fully understand the situation. <laughs> optimism can involve overlooking reality. If you look squarely at today's realities, it is hard to be an optimist. But biblical faith is very different from a myopic optimism. 
The Bible looks squarely at the grim realities of everyday existence. For Abraham, for Moses, for Paul, the situations in which they lived were extremely tough, and they knew and felt it. Faith meant that they were able to see those realities in light of the future working of God. And this gave their lives a completely transformed situation. It gave them a completely transformed outlook with a conviction of a bright future. A further prime example of this dynamic can be seen in the other Old Testament figure about whom we heard this morning in the scripture readings, the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah lived in the midst of one of the worst periods in the history of Israel, the time of the exile. In his younger years, he lived before the exile, but he saw it coming. The Babylonian Empire was expanding, and the nation of Judah, where Jeremiah lived, was not paying attention to God. Jeremiah knew that the consequence of this would be that Judah would fall prey to the oncoming destruction, and he loudly proclaimed the message that the armies of Babylon would soon devastate the city of Jerusalem. This did not make him popular. It's not a message anybody wanted to hear. He was beaten and rejected by many, but he was right. Destruction did come. Jerusalem was razed to the ground, and many of the people were carried off into exile in Babylon for the next 50 years. In the midst of this horrible crisis, when the destruction of Jerusalem was imminent and Jeremiah was proclaiming the truth about the circumstances, Jeremiah received a message from God that he should buy a field located in Anathoth. As the scripture passage we heard reported, he went ahead and he bought the field. This was by any objective measure a preposterous thing to do, as though you were to go and buy a farm in eastern Ukraine. Destruction was all about. The future looked completely grim, and Jeremiah goes and buys a field in Anathoth of all places. Anathoth was three miles from Jerusalem, the epicenter of the coming destruction. Obviously, Jeremiah saw a future that others could not yet see. By God's inspiration, he saw that beyond the exile, God would create a new beginning for the people of Israel. They would be reestablished in the promised land with a renewed faith and a prosperous life. His purchase of the field was intended as a sign, indicated indicating to the people of Judah that, as he proclaimed, houses and fields and vineyards will again be bought in this land. Jeremiah lived in the light of God's future. He saw present realities with greater clarity than most, and at the same time, he was always looking beyond the present to catch the vision of where God was moving. And thus, even when complete devastation fell upon the land of Judah, and Jeremiah was surveying the, the devastation, the ruins with dismay, he was able once again to catch an uplifting vision of what God would do, what God's future would be for the people of Israel and for the whole world, as he said in the book of Lamentations, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy 
faithfulness. The letter to the Hebrews captures all of this with its classic definition of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. Abraham never saw the fulfillment of God's promises. Moses never saw the promised land up close. Jeremiah never saw the day when his field at Anathoth would be producing a wonderful harvest in a restored and prosperous land. Paul never saw the gospel flourishing in Spain. But they each had a conviction, grounded in God, that every one of those visions would become a reality, and they were a part of it. They lived, therefore, with a deep sense of God's goodness, a sense of meaning, and a sure hope, because in spite of the limitations of the present, they had the firm assurance of the unfolding of God's promises. Even more, they lived in such a way that they were moving toward those promises. Sometimes in Christian history, when people have thought about the promises of God, they've been inclined to take a passive stance with the idea that all we need to do now is to wait for God to do God's thing and bring about God's future. You can find that attitude today, especially among some who want to proclaim that these are the last days that God's about to bring this age to an end. And, and the implication is that believers now should just sit back and wait for the hammer to fall. But what you see in biblical figures is a very active faith in which people participate in the unfolding of God's future. Abraham and Moses and Jeremiah and Paul all had a very active role in furthering God's plan. Today, as we look at a troubled world, we are called likewise to an active faith in which we are working towards God's aims for the world. This is why as a church, we are very actively engaged in seeking to be agents of transformation. We're working in all sorts of areas of mission, working to create a world of justice and peace, a world in which we are faithful stewards of God's planet, a world in which people are treated with dignity and compassion, in which all people might know themselves to be loved by God. Just go look at our and I'm at this websites and you'll get a sense of of uh, some of the details of, of, of how we are a part of the unfolding of God's purposes today. Above it all, we understand ourselves to be a part of a future of God that will extend far beyond this world into an eternal destiny. When we live in faith, we know that we are on a journey toward a heavenly home. As is said of Old Testament people of faith in the letter to Hebrews, as it is, they desire a better homeland that is a heavenly one. Indeed, God has prepared a city for them. This is a promise that God ultimately opens up for the whole world through Jesus Christ. When we truly take hold of that promise, it profoundly shapes all of life. 
you know, when you're a child, you easily imagine that your future is going to be, be well, just well, not well, not infinite on this earth. The, the horizon before you just seems to extend on and on and on. You imagine you'll be able to fulfill all your dreams in this life. If your family does not give you a faith foundation, the society will strongly encourage you to think that you can find heaven on earth if only you buy into this or that thing that the society is trying to sell you. Later in life, you eventually come to realize that actually, life is short. Then, you might end up launching into some great scramble to try to check as much as possible off of your bucket list, or you might end up in despair, confronting the inevitable incompleteness of life. The alternative to futility and despair is to grasp the great truth that is proclaimed through the scriptures all along, that life on this earth is meant to be a part of something much bigger. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, we become heirs of an eternal inheritance. We share together in this life with an abiding joy, knowing that whatever blessings we experience together, they are a foretaste of the everlasting goodness of the life we will have in the Lord. Then we can face the challenges of life today with confidence and with peace because we are living in the light of God's future. Let us pray. Eternal God, we give you thanks and praise that through your son, Jesus Christ, you open up for us an everlasting and bright future. And you are here at work in our world today, here to enable us to be a part of the unfolding of your purposes in our own time. Lead us, O oh Lord, to respond to you with faith, to receive that wondrous promise in our own hearts and lives, to know that we have an eternal destiny in you, and to share then in how your spirit would work in our lives today, that, Lord, we might participate in this world as people who are journeying towards your kingdom and who are seeking here to reflect something of your love and your truth in our own time. We thank you, Lord, that you draw us together into the life of your church, so that we are not journeying together on this earth, but we travel with one another, recognizing ourselves to be pilgrims on this earth, sharing in your goodness and being people who participate in reaching out in that goodness to one another. We do reach out to people who are in times of particular need, and we remember those who are sick, praying especially this morning, for Donna Stiller and for Pat Lacey, praying for your healing power. We remember also those who are mourning, continuing to pray for the family and friends of Jessica Bennett and Lois Mock, giving you thanks for the witness of their lives and taking hold, Lord, of your everlasting promises. We thank you we're connected with the larger church and lift up this morning our fellow United Mothers at the Charlestown United Mothers Church and pray you would inspire us as we seek to reach out to the world today a world so full of trouble. Lord, we see such violence in our day, everywhere from Chautauqua, where Salman Rushdie was brutally attacked, to Ukraine, where the war keeps grinding on. Lord, help us to recognize how you are at work, how your goodness will ultimately triumph over all evil, and how we can be a part of that triumph of your everlasting love as we put our trust in you and follow as your people in the world today. Lead us, O oh Lord, as we would journey with you 
recognizing ourselves to be on the road towards that heavenly city and sharing today in how your light and love would shine through us. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.kentmethodist.org.